Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 tonight, I want to share with you my favorite passage within the Christmas story. It's one that some of you probably heard me share before. Um, I just love this because I think it ties in to the mind and what we're all about here in responding to God as He reveals Himself to us through His Word and through His Spirit and through the circumstances of life. And I feel like I'm getting a hum. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm so observant. All right. I want to begin reading at Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. At the beginning of this passage, you will see heaven's response to the birth of Christ. The part we're going to concentrate on tonight begins in verse 15, looking at earth's response, the shepherd's response to the birth of Christ. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. When they saw him, they related what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. Now tonight, I just want to take about 15 minutes And look at the response of the shepherds to what God had revealed to them. Because I think we can be encouraged by this, and I think we can learn a lot from the way the shepherds responded to the revelation of God. Because one thing the Bible teaches is that when God reveals Himself to us, He wants us to respond. He expects a response from us. God is not a God who reveals Himself to us and and shares with us something and then we just sort of sit there. God expects when He reveals things to us, again, whether it's through His Word, by His Spirit, whatever, that we respond to what God is doing. That may be even one of the reasons why God chose these shepherds. Because notice, God didn't send the angels to the political movers and shakers at that time. He sent the angels for this message to these shepherds out there on the field, probably who were watching over the temple sacrificial sheep. Wow. I'm not even going to try to say that again. Who were watching the sheep that would be sacrificed at the temple. And I'm sure there was a special significance for them as well. 
And as I said, we see sort of heaven's response as far as the angel's response to this great birth. Emmanuel, God with us. But I want us to notice tonight the shepherd's response for this reason. I think there's a lot we can learn from the shepherds and how we respond to God in our own lives. Because even for many Christians, a lot of times God reveals himself and it's almost like we just sort of file that away as pretty cool information, but we never really do anything with it. We never act upon it. We never really respond to it as I think God expects us to. And I think one of the great ways we can sort of end one year and begin another year is by sort of recommitting ourselves as Christians that when God speaks to us and when He reveals Himself to us, this coming year we're going to respond to Him. When we hear His voice, we're going to respond and we're going to follow a lot of the way the shepherds responded to the voice of God and to the revelation of God about the birth of Christ because one of the things we first notice in their response is they spoke excitedly. Notice in verse 15 again, when the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another. Now, in our English translation, we might not get that excitement. But in the Greek language, instead of this being a moment in time, a snapshot where one shepherd turns to another and goes, that was pretty cool. It's, it's the idea that instead of a snapshot, it's a moving picture. And what the Greek language is pointing out that, again, sometimes doesn't come through in our English translation is, these guys couldn't shut up about what they had just seen and heard. And, and especially for guys, that's a little unusual, because guys maybe don't tend to be so conversational about things, and this is just a group of guys out there on the hillside watching the sheep and, you know rough shepherds had a sort of a reputation and and yet what the bible was saying here is when the angels left with this news it was just like oh my goodness did you yeah and they could not stop talking to each other in the sense of the way they were speaking to each other you get the fact that they were excited that god allowed them to be a part of what's going on it was almost like it was beginning to sink in that out of all the people At that point, in that area of the world, God chose them to give this news. And that was something that excited their hearts. It was something that ignited their hearts. It was something that got them talking to each other. And it was like, wow, can you believe God sent the angels to us and told us about the birth of the Messiah and and here's where he's going to be born. And wow, I just think that if we would get excited in our lives when God speaks to us and when God reveals things to us and maybe God would reveal even more. And, and I know in my life, I, I felt like I went through a period of time where maybe one of the reasons why God didn't speak to me more is because I wasn't too excited when he did speak to me. They spoke excitedly to each other. They just continued to talk about it. It was the topic of conversation for the rest of that evening. I think we need to get excited about God. It's not that our emotion drives our Christian life, because we walk by faith, but I do think God wants us to be passionate and zealous and excited about a relationship with Him and about what He's doing in our life. If we can't get excited about God and what He's doing in our life, and, and what can we get excited about? And, and I don't want to belabor that point, because I thought Pastor Ron 
several weeks ago covered that real well on those couple of messages on worship. But God, I think, wants us to get excited about Him and what He's doing in our lives. Notice also, they not only spoke excitedly, they spoke exhortationally. The shepherds said to one another, let us, let's do this together. Let's not just one of us go down there to Bethlehem and say, let us. Because there's something about us doing it as a group that's going to make it even cooler. We can share in the experience of what God is doing. And maybe what one catches, the other one won't. And, and, and we can just sort of all be stronger because it's, it's all of us doing it. Again, I think that's one of the reasons why God created the church. Because He didn't intend for all of us as Christians to live in isolation with Him, but to, to be part of a synergistic body of believers where we, we mutually encourage and complement each other and, and where we come together and build each other up and get stronger because of the, the gifts and talents and abilities and just, just who we are and rubbing up against each other. That's part of the reason why I'm so glad we're doing what we're doing tonight, that we're setting aside some time where instead of just coming here and sitting, and, and this is all good and stuff, but where we can just start to get to know each other a little bit better and maybe build some friendships and relationships out of here. Because it's hard when you just, like on Sunday, you come in here, 1,200 people in here. It's hard to do that. And we've got to build times into our lives where we, we make time to get together with other Christians and we do things together. And where it's not just, I'm going to do this. How about we doing this? And if God's working in your life and my life, it's so cool to sort of leverage that moment with, with some friends and, and say, hey, instead of me praying by myself, would you pray with me? Hey, instead of me doing a Bible study by myself, how about us doing a Bible study together? That's what you see the shepherds doing. Let us. And here's a real step of faith. Because if they all go to Bethlehem, who takes care of the sheep? What's going to prevent the sheep from just going, do 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 no shepherds, okay, here we go, you know. And sheep tend to wander, right? But I think in that moment, too, they're exhibiting some faith. A faith that God calls us to. A faith that says, if this is what God wants me to do, then He'll take care of this. And, and I don't have to worry about the sheep, because if God wants us to go to Bethlehem, then that's His problem. And He'll take care of the sheep until I get back, because He wants me to go here. And a lot of times we don't go there to experience what God has for us in Bethlehem because we're afraid, well, what, what's going to happen if I leave my sheep over here? And God says, that's where your faith comes in. That's where you have to trust that if I'm leading you here, then I'll take care of that other component over here. And so it took faith by the shepherds to leave. And notice also, they not only acted excitedly or spoke excitedly or spoke exhortationally, they acted purposefully. They said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. Go and see. There was purpose now. Because I believe that when we allow God into our lives and when we allow God to begin to speak to us and reveal Himself to us, we've always got purpose to our lives. That there's always purpose. And, and, and when Christ becomes even more real and more a part of our lives, I believe that our lives are reoriented and redirected as we go through life. 
And maybe we are going down this road, but maybe through our relationship with Christ and through our spiritual growth and understanding, God says, okay, now I want you to take this turn right here. Now I want you to go that way for a little while. And we sometimes wonder why I was having a great time going this way. But sometimes God just, again, wants us to trust Him and and He's going to get us to where He wants us to go, but it may not be the way we thought we would get there. I think of Paul as a great biblical example of that. As we learned last week, Paul kept saying, I know I'm going to get to Rome. I know I'm going to get to Rome. I can't wait to get to Rome. He got to Rome. He got to Rome in chains. He got to Rome under house arrest by Caesar. He got to Rome, but he had to spend those years in Rome chained to a Roman soldier under house arrest. See, and God's ways are always best. And we just need to keep learning to trust Him more and more by faith. And so they acted purposefully. I believe when a Christian is struggling with purpose, that we just need to open up ourselves more to what God has revealed in His Word. Because I personally believe you and I can't saturate our minds with the Word of God and with the Bible and the message of the Bible and not find any purpose for our lives in there. I think there's purpose on every page. And God is giving us purpose after purpose of why we're alive and what life is all about and what we should be engaged in. And that's exactly what the shepherds found out when they responded to what God was doing. Notice also they acted immediately. The shepherds didn't call a committee meeting and said, well, let's vote on this to see if we go to Bethlehem or not. No, the shepherds said, let's go and see this thing. And, and that's so important because a lot of times God has spoken. He's done something. And we want to respond, but we may think, well, I'll respond in a few days. I'll respond next week. I'll follow through with that commitment a little bit later. And we've all been there. We know that a lot of times when we say that, it never happens. The closer we can apply what God is speaking to us about, the better chance we have of incorporating it into our lives and making it a part of our lives. The greater the distance between the time we hear a message from God and the time we apply it, the less chance that will ever be a part of our life. In fact, that's even one of the best ways I can always know what Pastor Lynn or Pastor Ron or Bible teachers that I listen to I know what they're speaking on from week to week. Because our human memory will forget. If somebody was to ask, you know, hey, what did Pastor Ron speak on three weeks ago? I might have a hard time remembering that if I didn't apply it to my life. But if Pastor Ron spoke on something here on Sunday and I applied it to my life and I made it a part of my life, it's very easy for me to figure out what he spoke on three weeks ago. Because now it's not just something I have to remember up here. It's something that I've incorporated into my lifestyle and it's making a difference in my walk with God. So that makes it very easy to remember. That's why applying the truth of God to my life, it's, it, as we've said here, the mine or any other Bible study or my own personal Bible study is not for information. It's for what? Transformation. God shares with us His Word and His revelation so that we might be changed into the very image of Jesus Christ Himself. They acted immediately. Don't put it off. 
I, I share this all the time, this encouragement with Christians. If the Spirit of God is prompting you to do something, if, if God is speaking to your heart, do it. And don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Notice verse 16. They also acted searchingly. So they hurried off to Bethlehem immediately and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. In other words, it wasn't like they... And Bethlehem wasn't a big town or big city anyway, but it wasn't like they go to Bethlehem and all of a sudden as they walk into the town, here's all these lights with two arrows going, here's where the Messiah is. Right there, you know, eat at Joe's type stuff. No. They actually had to go through, I believe, streets and maybe down some alleyways and, and, and they had to take some time to search. And, and that's a great picture of the way God wants to res- us to respond to Him at times because God doesn't lay all these great pearls and, and gold nuggets of wisdom and understanding and knowledge right on the surface. Sometimes we have to be willing to dig and expend a little energy to get those gold bars that are just under the surface. In fact, that's one of the reasons why this thing on Tuesday night's called the mine. Because the biblical principles, like throughout the book of Proverbs and other books in the Bible, is sometimes I've got to realize that it's not that God's trying to hide something from me, but He wants to know, do I want to know this bad enough that I'm willing to expend some energy and time to try to find it out? And it's not just going to leap off the page and jump into my head. But, but if, if I just sit down and study this for a while, I'm going to pull out some nuggets that are really going to help me in my walk with God. That's what the Bible teaches. And I think that was true of the shepherds. And it wasn't like they got discouraged when they got to Bethlehem and, and the first house they knock on go, is this where Jesus is born? No, I never heard of Jesus. Don't know who Mary and Joseph are. Oh, okay, okay. I guess that's it. We'll go back to our sheep. No, they weren't easily discouraged. They kept searching because they believed in the revelation of God that somewhere in that town the Messiah was born and they were going to stay in that town even if they had to knock on every door and and walk down every walkway to find where Jesus was. Sometimes that's what God wants in our lives. Sometimes in my Bible study, Yeah, I mean, I read a passage and wow, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. The Holy Spirit's giving me this, giving me that. But sometimes, I got to tell you, sometimes I even have to take the Bible and I have to put it to the side because I've I've been looking at that passage for a couple hours and it's just not it's just not there. And I have to do something else, and I have to come back, and I might even have to spend a couple more hours. But then, then it's like, oh my goodness, I've been looking at that for, and I never saw that yet. And, and the more time that sometimes I go back and just keep digging and keep searching and there, that treasure is there. And God just wants to know sometimes that I want to know it so bad that I'm willing to search for it. Notice also they acted insightfully. The Bible says in chapter 2 verse 17, when they saw him, they related what had been told about this child. They got new insight into God, into His person, into the way He does things. It was like, wow, God, I, I have a whole new perspective. Because maybe like a lot of us and maybe like a lot of people in that time, one of the reasons they missed the birth of the Messiah was because they thought the Messiah, Messiah, God, well, He's going to come with with all kinds of bells and whistles and a parade and, and, and the whole world's going to know and there's going to be fireworks and all this and 
And you mean the Messiah comes very quietly and, and he's born in, in, in a manger and there's really no fanfare and, and, and even the religious leaders aren't willing to walk down from Jerusalem a few miles to Bethlehem to even check out whether this is so? That's the way he comes? And they began to get some insight into the ways of God that maybe before that night, it really didn't click with them. Because the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we get into His revelation, the more we grow in our understanding of God, the more insight we will get into God and into His ways and into His will. And that's only going to encourage us, not discourage us. That's only going to open up a whole new thing. Wow, God, you're even cooler than I thought. And that's what spiritual growth is all about, is gaining insight. Insight for living, as Chuck Swindoll has used over the years. People want, want to know, how, how do I live life more skillfully? How do I navigate life with wisdom? How, just keep going after God. In Christ, the book of Colossians says, is all wisdom. You go after Christ in your life, and you will have all the wisdom that you and I ever need. Notice also in verse 17, they acted evangelistically. They didn't keep this great stuff to themselves. But notice the Bible says when they saw him, they related what they had been told about this child. They couldn't keep this good news to themselves. They became the first evangelists, if you will. And again, go figure how God does things. God didn't go to the priests to the religious leaders of Israel. He didn't entrust the news of his son being born to the kings and queens and the political movers and shakers. He entrusted this good news with just the average everyday people, shepherds, who you and I probably would more identify with than the other groups. And not that God is anti those groups, but I think, again, it says something about our God that God went to these lowly shepherds watching the temple sheep out there on the hillside, and that's who God related to. And God always, if He's relaying something to us and blessing us, guess what? He wants us just to be a channel of blessing to somebody else. He doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves. And if we start keeping it to ourselves and not passing on the, the good stuff God is doing and the blessing of God, then that's not only cheating us, that's cheating others. And God says, guys, I've shared this news with you so that you can go and tell it on the mountain to anyone who wants to hear. And that's exactly what they did. Can I just say that I think this time of year is a great time of year for us as Christians to keep our sort of radar up for opportunities to share Christ because a lot of people move through the Christmas season and they don't know the Christ of Christmas. And I always think, you know, how can you really celebrate Christmas without Christ? Now, we do it, people do it, but not like we can do it. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I just mean for those of us that know Christ, we have a whole other level to celebrating Christmas that the world doesn't know yet because they don't know the Christ of Christmas. And God may want you or I to take those opportunities throughout this Christmas season to share Christ. And again, what a great time of year to get to know Christ. I love it when people come to know Christ at Christmas time. It's like I've had people, 
Jeff, this is my first Christmas knowing Jesus Christ is my Savior. It's just made all the difference in the way I celebrate Christmas and look at Christmas. So cool. And then notice verse 20, they acted faithfully. Because the Bible says the shepherds returned. I mean, after this experience, they could have went on a book tour. After this experience, they could have got their own television show and, you know, reality TV, shepherds seeing, you know, Bethlehem. No, they went back to being shepherds and went back to the sheep that they had left for a time. And God wants us to be faithful to what he's called us to. And the only time, in a sense, we should leave that path or divert from that path is like in this situation, if we clearly know that he wants us to go over here for a minute and see what he's doing over here. But here's the cool thing. I believe when those shepherds went back and returned to those sheep, that they weren't the same shepherds they were when they left to go to Bethlehem. Because to me, anytime you and I have a true encounter with Jesus Christ, we're never the same ever again. And I believe when those shepherds went back, they were better shepherds than they ever were. I believe that they were better husbands. I believe they were better fathers. I believe they were better brothers. I believe they were better friends. I believe that when they returned from seeing Jesus Christ, that they returned, but they didn't return the same men that they were when they left for Bethlehem. They had been transformed by what had been revealed to them that night. In fact, you even see that with the wise men who come to pay homage to the baby Jesus later on and lay their gifts at his feet. When the Bible says that when the wise men went because of the threat of Herod, they went another way. And it almost implies that even the wise men, though they chose another physical route to go home, it almost implies that they also were never the same after what they had had experienced. That's, That's the way God wants it to be with us. That every time we come into His presence and we're with Him in His Word and we're with Him through His Spirit, that we're never the same. It's always my hope and prayer that every time we all leave here on Tuesday night, that we walk out of this building a little bit different than the way we walked in. And then finally, notice they acted worshipfully. So the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And notice that their worship of glorifying and praising God was fueled out of what had been revealed to them. That, that greater depth of understanding of God and His ways and Jesus and the Messiah and how He was born and, and how God did it and all of that, that it was fuel for their worship. If you and I want fuel for our worship, On Sunday, on Tuesday, Monday through Saturday, every day of the week, get into the Word of God. Have time with God. Allow that greater understanding and knowledge that God is pouring into your life through His Spirit and through His Word to be the fuel for your worship. And as He unveils more and more stuff to you and I as we continue to grow, it just gives us more and more to praise Him about. And as He includes us in more and more things and says, Jeff, come over here, i got something I want you to see. It's like, wow, God, thank you for showing me that. Can I share that with Oh, yeah, you share it with them. Okay, I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to get excited. They acted worshipfully. Just some of the ways the shepherds responded to the revelation of God. So here's what I'd like us to contemplate tonight. Before our time of food and fellowship and fun. 
How are we responding right now to what God is doing in our lives? As God is speaking to us, are we just sort of filing it away and going, that that was nice, God, that was a nice message, or God, that was a good devotion today in your word, but just sort of filing that away. That was cool. Or are we really taking time to respond to it in a way worthy of the God who's revealing it to us. When we stop and think that the almighty God of the universe is taking time, not just to have a relationship with us, but to want to build a relationship with us and to build a deeper relationship with us and to tell us secrets and things from his word that maybe we haven't seen yet and that God is taking his time to do this. So what's our response? I hope in the coming year that our response could be much like the shepherds, that we would get excited about what God's doing in our lives, that we would try to get others to join us in what God is doing in our lives, that we would act with purpose, that we would act immediately, that we would be willing to act a little searchingly, that we would be excited about the insight that we're gaining, that we would be willing to share what God's doing in our lives with others, that we would act faithfully, and that we would allow God to change us and make me, as He's dealing with me, a better pastor, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. And that all that then would be fuel for my life to just Worship Him on a whole other level. Guys, I just hope and pray that you guys have a wonderful, blessed, and Merry Christmas. And I hope to get to talk with many of you out there in just a few minutes. But that's what God laid on my heart tonight. Let's close with a word of prayer and we'll let you guys get out there and have a good time together. God, thank you so much. For sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for being willing to come and to be born that little baby in Bethlehem, the house of bread that now has the bread of life. And God, I just pray that Jesus is our bread of life. And as we sang here at the very end, that we have come to believe and to know and to embrace that Jesus is all we need. And Lord, help us to just find our sufficiency and our fulfillment and our satisfaction in our relationship with You. And may this Christmas be the best Christmas we've ever had. And may this Christmas just reveal something of Yourself that maybe we have never sensed before or seen before even if we've been a christian for many many years may this christmas just be a very very special time just between us and our savior and god thank you for this time now that we here in the mind can have to fellowship with each other at this time of year to encourage each other and to build some friendships and relationships and tell each other how much we mean to each other and I just want to thank you, God, for each and every person in this room tonight. May you 
as only you can express to them how much they mean to me and how much I love them and appreciate their faithfulness to this Bible study every Tuesday night. And God just bless them, bless their homes, bless their lives. Lord, give them a, just a blessed Christmas and bless our food and just take us all home safely tonight. After this is over, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Guys, have a great Christmas. Hope all of you will stick around for a while, okay? Thank you.